Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. Um, okay, we lost our thing here. Can we get that back? Anybody? So just pretend. Go back to talking amongst yourself. Yeah. Just go back to talking. Okay, hold on. Hey, there we go. All right, hold on one second. All right, here we go. Hey, good morning or good evening, everybody. All right, uh, if you got your Bibles, devices, whatever, you want to follow along, um, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Uh, as always, we're making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And as you can see, we've entitled tonight's lesson, uh, Radical uh, Truthfulness. Now, as we've done the last three weeks, we want to start with Matthew 5.20. Uh, where we've heard this multiple times now, Jesus makes the statement, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And as we've said multiple times, what Jesus is doing in the rest of chapter 5 is he's given us six examples or six illustrations of a righteousness that does exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, we've already covered the first three, and tonight we will cover the fourth illustration, which is the swearing or taking of um, oaths. So let's read our verses, and then we'll jump in and, and kind of look at them. Verses 33 to 37. Jesus says this, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Okay, so what does that all mean? Well, let's start here. No matter what your view is on, on taking oaths, and we'll talk about that a little bit more tonight, I think that we would probably all agree that there is a truth crisis going on in America today. Can we, can we agree on that? Um, I, I see it all the time. You do. People lie under oath. They break their marriage vows. They break their contracts, and it's just all normal. Uh, th this idea of truthfulness and integrity and, and people you could just shake their hand and, and, and that was your, your word was your bond, those days just seem to be, um, they seem to be gone. But what we need to focus on tonight is, is it's easy to look out there and say there's a problem in the world. But the fact of the matter is it's not just out there. Uh, it happens among us as well. And, and I think if we're all honest, we can all say it, it's really hard to always tell the truth. 
It really is. I mean, to, to just try to go a, a week and not lie. Try to go a week without, without lying. Just, and, I, and by lying, I mean embellishing or exaggerating. I mean, that's just, that's just as lie. I mean, I'm just talking, try doing all that. It is, it's hard. Uh, George MacDonald, who was the great preacher and writer, said this. He wrote a letter to his son. He says, all, I always try, at least I think I do, to be truthful. All the, all the same, I tell a great many lies. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're like that too. We want to be truthful people. We see ourselves as truthful people. But you'll catch yourself from time to time, you know, talking to somebody and you walk away and think, man, that, that wasn't true what I just said. Why did I do that? Why did I feel the need to be able to do that? And that's a really good question, by the way. Why do we do that? Why do we lie? Why do we exaggerate? Why do we embellish? Why do we do those things? Well, there's a lot of reasons um, for example, we do it to make ourselves look better. You know, there, there's, there's something about us that we want to put ourselves in the best possible light. We do it to protect ourselves from consequences. We do it to, to gain something that we want. All of those, by the way, I think come from a lack of faith. I, I really believe that. If I'm, if I'm content with who I am in Christ, I, don't, I shouldn't have to, to require embellishment or exaggeration. I, I shouldn't care. I mean, who am I serving, God or man? It's not what people think about me that's Lord. It's what God thinks about me. So for me to, to lie, to, to make myself look better, automatically just there's a lack of faith. To, to try to control my circumstances, to, to get something or get out of consequences, that's, again, that's trying to control your own destiny. i got to lie to do this. That's, again, a lack of faith in a, in a sovereign God. But in a world of darkness, we've already seen that we are to be the light. And in a world of lies and deception, we as Christians are to represent truth. Okay? So here's the question before us tonight. How do we do that? How do we live a life of what I might call radical truthfulness in a world that literally is full of lies and, uh, and deceptions? Okay? And this is what Jesus is going to be talking about tonight. Uh, it really is all about telling the, the truth. So let's start with verse 33. So Jesus said this, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So this is the words of the scribes and the Pharisees. This is what they tell people. You don't swear falsely, uh, perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Sworn. Now, let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with what they said. And you should probably, if you've been here for the last three or four weeks, you start to kind of see a pattern here. And that is the Pharisees, uh, they, they quote Scripture accurately, but it's their interpretation that's wrong. And there's something wrong with what they just said. Now, again, looking at it, you don't see anything, but there's something wrong with what they just said, and that's what we need to find out. Now, the easiest way to do this, is, I think, is to do what we did last week with divorce, is we need to go all the way back to the law of Moses and see what did the Old Testament, and specifically the law of Moses, teach about uh, taking oaths. Then we'll jump ahead about 1,400 years, and we'll come to the Pharisees and see how they had missed it, how they had twisted it, perverted it, misinterpreted it. And then, of course, we'll look at the words of Jesus and see what does he say about us swearing or taking an oath. So first thing, let's go all the way back to the law of Moses. Now, the first thing to know is you will not find those exact words 
uh, anywhere in the Old Testament. That, that's not a quote from the Old Testament. But, I, but it is an accurate summation, certainly, of what the Old Testament taught about taking oaths. For example, I'll give you a few scriptures. Deuteronomy 6.13, It is the Lord your God you shall fear, Him you shall serve, and by His name you shall swear. Uh, Leviticus 19.12 says this, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, for I am the Lord. Or Deuteronomy 23.21, If you make a vow to the Lord, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. So those are some just a, a sample of scriptures. And you can see that that's exactly what the Pharisees are saying. Don't swear falsely, and you shall perform to the Lord whatever you've sworn to do. So that is an accurate statement, okay? But here's the thing. Let's go back and look a little bit deeper into this. The Old Testament did not uh, forbid taking oaths. In fact, if you go study the Old Testament, it actually encouraged people to take oaths. Now, the question is why? Why would the Old Testament encourage people to take oaths? Well, the example or the reason is that, because human beings are born liars. Now listen to me. Anybody here with kids knows that is absolutely 100% true. Right? It's amazing how real life just validates the Bible. That sweet, innocent, angelic little being will look you in the eye and lie to your face. And, and the amazing thing is, is it don't even take any training. Right? We're training them how to do all the good stuff, but that stuff, it's, it's as natural as breathing. Who ate that cookie? Not me. Right? Chocolate streaming down their face and, you know, one cookie stuck out of their ear and well, not me. I didn't do it. Just as, just as sweet. I mean, how is that? How is, it's just born into them. And you know what I'm talking about. Um, I, you know, they just, they, they just do it. It's natural. And it's just like we saw last week. You remember last week was divorce? And we talked about the fact that God didn't want anybody getting divorced. God's plan from the beginning was uh, one man, one woman, united for life. That's his ideal. That's his plan. But he's dealing with sinful people. He's dealing with hard-hearted men. And so he allows divorce to somehow control it, to, to, to put limits on it. Because women, uh, as we said last week, are just being kicked out of the house. They had nobody to call, nobody to help. They didn't have, I mean, it was a terrible situation for women. So the, the way that he set it up was to limit the sin, in a sense. Well, it's exactly the same thing here. God permits oaths in order to restrain humanity's tendency uh, to, to lie. So think about this for a moment. In that day, and, and I, by the way, I, I'm, in my mind, I'm seeing this played out all over again. Imagine a society for just a moment. You don't really have to imagine it. Just, just go outside and you can see it. But imagine a society where you can no longer depend on anybody to tell you the truth. Just imagine that. Now, politicians, you know, they're always going to lie. But, but think about things like doctors, right? You used to could, can, at least your doctor would tell you the truth. But now they look you in the eye and tell you a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man, Right? You can't even trust them to tell you the truth anymore. Everybody's got an agenda. Um, think about scientists. You used to, could, used to you think you could depend on a scientist, but now 
this guy will tell you that, and that guy will tell you that, and nobody knows what to believe. We're seeing it all over the place. But imagine that kind of society. Let me tell you, when you get into that kind of society, what will happen is it will start to deteriorate. It will start to degrade. Government can't trust government. Businesses can't trust their contracts. People can't... I mean, society's going to degrade. It's going to deteriorate. Well, that's exactly what was going on before the law of Moses. There was so much lying, so much deception that men could not trust one another's words. They couldn't trust one another's contracts. They couldn't trust one another's statements. So what God allowed was them to take an oath. And by taking an oath, what you're doing is you're, you're bringing in a greater accountability because you're essentially bringing God in as the third party. So if you and I enter into a contract, a business agreement, or something like that, when we invoke the name of God, we're actually bringing Him into the transaction as a judge. That's, that's what an oath did. It brought a third person in and says, you know, in front of God, I'm going to do this. As God is my witness, as God lives, I'm going to do this. You're basically saying, God, judge me if I tell you a lie. And so it brings a much greater degree of accountability. Now, at the same time, let me say this. In the Old Testament, oaths and vows were always reserved for very solemn and important occasions. You just didn't run around uh, swearing on God's name. You didn't just run around taking oaths and vows in everyday conversation. It, It was always a very solemn occasion. It was an important occasion. And if you made an oath... You had to keep that thing at all cost. If you, if, you don't, if you couldn't keep it, don't make it. But once you made a vow, once you swore on his name, <laughs> you better keep it. So make sure before you do it uh, that, that you can keep it. Listen to Psalms 15, 1 through 4. Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. That's, that's a, a picture there of a righteous man, one that keeps their promises, keeps their oaths, even when it hurts them. They don't change their mind. That's what God expected in the Old Testament. Now, again, what was explicitly forbidden, so, so oaths were encouraged in the right situations, but what was explicitly forbidden in the Old Testament was just frivolously or flippantly making oaths in everyday uh, conversation. Let me give you a scripture, Ecclesiastes 5, 2 through 6. It says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be viewed. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. So the idea here is taking oaths are okay. In fact, they're even encouraged in important and solemn occasions, but don't do it frivolously. Do not do it frivolously because God will require what you pay, what you owe at your hand. So be very, very careful. So this, if I summed up oaths in the Old Testament, I would say these three things. If you swore an oath, you could only do it one way, and that was you swore by God's name only. There was a lot of ways to do it. You could say, as God is my witness, or as the Lord lives, and things like that. But you always brought God in as the third party. Always. That was the only way you took an oath. Number two, you do not do it frivolously or flippantly. 
It's reserved for solemn occasions, and if you make one, you better pay it. If you don't think you can pay it, if, you're, if you think, if there's any doubt in your mind, do not make an oath or swear on God's name. Uh, you must pay what you vow. Now, let's jump ahead about 1,400 years, and you come to the day of Jesus, and you come to the scribes and the Pharisees. They had got something wrong. Now, what was it that they had got wrong? Well, let's read it again. Jesus said, again, you have heard that it was said, again, by the scribes and the Pharisees to those, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Now, here's the thing with the Pharisees, right? Their ultimate problem is that their interpretation of Scripture and their attitude toward Scripture was always legalistic, always legalistic. In other words, if they could persuade themselves that they were keeping the letter of the law, they were perfectly happy. They could lay down at night and, and go to sleep and think, boy, I'm a, I'm a righteous man. We've seen this at least three times now, right? Remember, thou shalt not kill. And in their mind, they said to themselves, as long as I don't commit the act, I'm perfectly fine. It doesn't matter if I hate somebody in my heart. It doesn't matter. As long as I don't, if I obey the letter of the law, I'm perfectly okay. We saw the same thing with adultery, right? Uh, as long as I don't commit the act, then I'm fine. It doesn't matter that I walk around having fantasies in my mind. It doesn't matter that I, that I look on women. to. None of that matters. As long as I don't commit the act, I'm still a righteous man. And then we saw it last week with divorce, right? As long as I do it legally and I give her a certificate of divorce, then it doesn't matter what the reason is. I, I can divorce her because she burnt my, my meal last night. I can divorce her just because she's getting older. I can divorce her for whatever reason I want as long as I do it legally and I give her a bill or certificate of divorce. See, that's, that's legalism. That's going by the, the letter of the law. And the exact same thing is true with oaths. See, here's what they thought. As long as I keep my oaths, made in God's name, I'm perfectly fine. In other words, they understood that if you use God's name in an oath, if you swore on His name, then, as I said, you're bringing God in as a partner in the transaction. They, they 100% agreed with that. And if you did that, that made the oath binding, and it absolutely had to be kept. 100% they agreed with that. But, but... If you swore an oath and used something else, well, it's not nearly as binding. If you used his name, then absolutely it was binding. But you could swear on other things, and you didn't have to keep those. You see, that's, that's really the epitome of legalism. There's always a catch. There's always a way out. There's always a loophole. There's always the fine print. Some rabbis in that day taught that as long as you didn't use God's name in an oath, you were free to break it and you weren't sinning. Now, again, everybody agreed, don't use God's name. But you could swear by other things and you would be perfectly fine. You, you weren't, it wasn't a sin if you broke those. There's, a, there's a, a, a thing called the Jewish Code of Law. It's, a, it's called the Mishnah, and it's a, it's a compilation of all these rabbis writings and interpretations of the law uh, down throughout the years. 
And uh, in the Mishnah, there's one whole section, even today, that talks about when oaths are binding and when they're not. In fact, uh, one rabbi said that if you swear by Jerusalem, then you're not bound to keep the, the vow. But if you swear toward Jerusalem, you are bound to keep it. See, so what had happened is they had got into these practice of, of making oaths by things other than God's name. So they would swear by heaven, or they'd swear on the earth, or they'd swear by Jerusalem, or they'd swear on the temple, or they'd swear by the altar in the temple. They, they just used all this different types of language. Basically what they're doing, and this is, this is what they're doing, they're using religious language. The temple, the altar, Jerusalem, heaven, earth. They're, they're using things that seem sacred, but they're just like a kid that's got their, uh, their, their fingers crossed behind their back. They have no intention of keeping it. Now, they, again, they, were, they understood what the law said. Don't swear on God's name, but these other things, man, you could get away with anything. See, they were basically what they were doing was legalized lying. They had come up with all these rules that you could swear on things that basically let them practice deception. It let them get away with, with lying. Jesus calls them out on this in Matthew 23. That's the chapter where he pronounces all the woes on, on the Pharisees. He said this, Woe to you, blind guides, who say if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. And you say if anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. So they had all these just weird rules, just, just legalized lying, ways they could get out of all these different things. And what they're doing, and you'll see the, the, how they missed it so badly, they're not promoting truthfulness at all. They're literally promoting deceit. That, you know, and that's not what God wants, is it? God wants truthfulness. Listen to Psalms 51.6. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. You see, God allowed the taking of oath, but that's the letter of the law. But the spirit of the law is tell the truth. Right? That's what's behind the spirit of that law, is just tell the truth. They completely turned it on its head and went 180 degrees the other way. They come up with all these ways they could basically swear falsely and get away with it as long as they didn't use his name. Now, Jesus, of course, is going to call them on this. Let's see what he says, verses 34 to 35. Jesus said, But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. So basically what he says is this. Don't, take an, don't swear by heaven, for it's the throne of God. Don't swear by the earth, because it's the footstool of God. And don't swear by Jerusalem, because it's the city of God. Don't do those things. You see, again, in their twisted and perverted logic, they thought, as long as I avoid using God's name... I'm not sinning against God. And, and Jesus said, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous because everything you're swearing on is related back to God. You swear on Jerusalem, it's the city of God. You swear on heaven, it's the throne of God. You swear by the earth, it's the footstool of God. And, that, and by the way, those are all scriptures in uh, Isaiah 66, 1 and, and, and Psalm 48, 2 that says those things. That's, Jesus is pulling that right out of scripture. 
Listen to Matthew 23, 16 to 32. Jesus said, Woe to you, blind guides, who say whoever swears by the temple is bound by nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is bound by the oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And whoever swears by the altar is bound by nothing, but if anyone swears by the gift on it, he's bound by the oath. He says, you are blind. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? You see what he's saying? You swear on the earth, but which is greater, the, God, the earth or the God that created the earth? You swear, you swear on the city of Jerusalem, but which is, which is greater, the city of Jerusalem or the God who is the king of Jerusalem? Everything relates back to God. He goes on, So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it, and whoever swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it, and whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and the one who sits on it. Here's the mistake they were making. Every time they made an oath, every time they swore by heaven or they swore by the altar or they swore by the temple, they were actually swearing by God. See, they didn't take it seriously. And this is where we got to be really, really careful. (laughs) See, we might not take it seriously, but God does. God does. You see, what he's trying to tell them is implicitly every oath you take, you are taking in God's name. Every oath you take, every promise. When you say something like that, and there's a lot of, we we don't say those things, but we got our own little list, don't we? Every time you do that, you are implicitly uh, swearing in God's name. And by the way, it's just as binding and it's just as sinful if you break it. He goes on, Matthew five thirty six, And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Ultimately, what he's saying is even your life, even the hairs of your head, are, go, are they fall under the, the sovereignty of God. Right? Even that, if you just say, I swear on my life, that's, that's like saying I swear on God because God is in charge of your life. God is the one who gives you life. God is the one that controls your life. So even if you say that, it's just as binding as if you were using God's name. Now, let me tell you something. Let me just stop here for just a moment and throw in a really great truth, right? Life cannot be divided into compartments where God is involved in some things and he's not involved in the other. This is one of my pet peeves. I've seen like actors and they'll say, I'm a Christian. But then they'll go over and act in a movie or a show and they'll say and do things that are unchristian. And they'll say, oh, that's just my job. No, it's not. You're a Christian. You, you can't compartmentalize God like that. Or you'll see a singer that says, I'm a Christian. Then they'll get up and, and sing music and they'll say things and use metaphors that are just filthy. And then they'll come over here and talk all about God. You can't do that, folks. God, you, 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 God is, is in you. You are in God. We are in Christ. We take Him everywhere we go. Our speech matters. What we say matters. You can't make little compartments. That's what the Pharisees had done. As long as when I'm over here and I say it this way, I got to do it. But if I'm over here, I can do these things and get away with it. And that doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. There can't be one kind of language in church and another kind of language out there in the world. God, God hears it all and it matters. 
It matters. Jesus tells us several times there's coming a day where every idle word you'll be held for account. You'll be held to account for every idle word. As Christians, our speech should be... You know, Paul, uh, James talks about the tongue and the power of the tongue and how it's like a, 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 we, we need to keep it bridled. I mean, it is so hard to keep that thing under control. But as Christians, we've got to stay on top of that. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's forbidding the flippant and profane use of oaths in everyday speech. Because the Pharisees just went around every day and they just used it like it was nothing because to them it was nothing. They had no intention of making an oath to God. They had no intention of keeping those vows or promises. So they just used it in everyday language like it was nothing. Jesus said it it is something. Don't do that. By the way, we do it. In our speech, we say things like, I swear to God, as God is my witness, cross my heart and hope to die, I swear on a stack of Bibles, swear on my mother's life, I swear by the angel. We got our little things that we do just like they did. But all of those things, God takes them seriously. Just keep, let me just tell you, keep those things out of your mouth. That's what Jesus is saying. Keep those things out of your mouth. Your oaths are binding, even when you speak them frivolously as part of everyday conversation. You know, a promise is a promise. There's no loophole in God's eyes. There is no loophole in His eyes. If you say something, you better mean it. If you don't mean it, don't don't say it. As I said earlier, you and I may not take it seriously. We may just go around spouting off, I swear, and this and that and the other, but God takes it seriously. See, the, the Pharisees didn't. Pharisees didn't take it seriously, but God does. So don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Listen to James 5.12. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. See, James is saying the same thing. You're over there saying, I swear to God or, or, or lightning strike me if I'm lying or, or you know, I swear on whatever. You're doing all that and you think it don't mean nothing. And, and James said, don't do that so you don't fall under condemnation because God takes it seriously, takes your words seriously. He expects us to be better than that. So let your yes be yes and your no be no, which is exactly what Jesus says in Matthew five thirty seven. He says, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. So what he's saying here to you and I is a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees is a righteousness that doesn't require you to always be swearing oaths to get your truth. In other words, your truthfulness should just be a part of who you are. Christians should never have to swear an oath. We shouldn't shouldn't be required to swear an oath. It's just part of who we are. We should always tell the truth. Our character should make an oath uh, absolutely unnecessary. Now... And by the way, Jesus says anything more than that, and in other words, anything more than that would be the requirement for an oath. It just comes from evil in us and, and society. When we go around needing to you know, extract oaths from people to know they're, they're, uh, they're telling the truth, that's because there's evil out there. And sometimes it's, it's obviously, it can be within us. Now, I want to answer a question because this is the question that comes up. By the way, this is the question that I have. Does this completely forbid? 
the swearing of oaths such as in a court of law. So if you were called to be a, a witness in a trial uh, next week and they, they said, put your right hand on the Bible, you know, put your left hand on the Bible, raise your right hand, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help you God. Can we do that? That's a really good question, right? Um, by the way, some take it the other way. So uh, let's look at what Jesus said, Matthew five thirty four. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Now, this might surprise you because that seems pretty straightforward, right? Don't take an oath. But I do not believe that Jesus is making a blanket statement forbidding all swearing of oaths. Okay? And I've got my, my reasons for that, and I'll give them to you here in just a moment. Now, let me say this. I did a lot of research on this because I try not to go into any of this. I certainly don't want to mislead anybody. Um, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm just doing the best I can to, to, to figure some of this stuff out. And this is, a, this is a really valid question. So I read a lot of commentators. I read uh, from, I went all the way back to the early church and, and through the Middle Ages and all the way up to... And almost every commentator that I've learned to trust over the years. I mean, listen, you go out on the web, you can find commentators everywhere, right? But the commentators that I've learned to trust over the years, pretty much everyone I could find agreed with that statement, that they don't believe Jesus is making a blanket statement forbidding uh, all swearing of oaths. Now, why is that? Well, I'll give you three reasons. First of all, the swearing of oaths at solemn occasions, things like in court or, 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 or standing and making a marriage vow, uh, is not what Jesus is speaking to here. He's speaking to a group of men who are just using, uh, they're swearing in everyday, uh, taking oaths in just everyday language. They're doing it flippantly. They're doing it frivolously. They're not taking it seriously. They're, they're practicing deception instead of practicing truthfulness. That's what he's dealing with. He's not dealing with somebody standing up in a court and taking an, an oath. That's not what he's, uh, what he's dealing with. So that's number one. Number two, God himself swore an oath in the Old Testament. You'll find this in Genesis twenty-two sixteen to 17. You remember the story of Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac goes up, uh, Abraham goes up and is going to sacrifice Isaac. And, and he raises the knife and the angel says, stop. And when he did that, this is what God said. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Now that's, that's really interesting to me. God, by the way, God is not a man that he can what? Lie. God can't lie. He has no need to swear an oath because he can't lie. But yet, he says, I swear by myself that I'm going to keep this promise. Now, you may wonder, why would God do that? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6. It said this, People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because Now listen to this. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. Now that's, you know, why, you know why God swore an oath? For us. He did that for us. I mean, he didn't have to. 
He didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it because anybody thought he would lie. He did that so we could look back and say, God swore to Abraham that his descendants would be like the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. And by the way, if we're, if we're of faith, we are children of Abraham. That's me. He's talking about me. He's talking about you if you are a believer. So God himself swore an oath. Once again, it wasn't to say, hey, look how truthful I am. It was a very solemn occasion. It was an extremely important uh, point in this walk of faith that, that, that he was laying out here. And he said, I swear by myself that I'm going to keep this promise. So I just, here's my thing. I certainly understand, by the way, that God is God. And God can do things that you and I can't do. I get that. But it just seems inconceivable to me that God would do that if he wanted us to never do it. That just seems odd to me that he would, uh, he would do that. Here's my third reason, and that's because we see Paul do it in the New Testament. I'll just give you a few scriptures. Romans 1, 9 through 10. For God is my witness who I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without seeing I mention you always in my prayers. Paul could have just said, hey, I'm always praying for you. But Paul says, as God is my witness, I'm always praying for you. Romans 9, 1, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. You see how he's calling Christ and the Holy Spirit to hold him an account and saying, I'm not, I'm not lying to you guys. This is exactly why I did it. I'll give you two more, uh, Galatians 1, 20. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. And Philippians 1, 8, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. That's just four. I could probably give you uh, another uh, five or six uh, examples in the New Testament of, of Paul swearing an oath. Now, let me say that, this. On the other hand, that seems really clear, doesn't it? Do not take an oath. What does it say? At all. Do not take an oath at all. So this is a tough one. By the way, when I go out and I study this stuff, I, I, I go to other places and I say, okay, you don't believe in taking oaths. Tell me why. Why do you think that it means not just, I mean, obviously it says it all, which, you know, that you could certainly interpret it that way, but I won't, you know, give me more evidence. Why do you think that? I ran across, um, uh, and by the way, there are people out there over time that certainly have taken that. The Quakers, if you're, if you're familiar with any Quakers, there was a guy that, uh, by the name of George Fox, who actually uh, founded the Quakers back in the 1600s, and he was arrested about eight times <laughs> Uh, over the years for preaching and doing different things, and, and he would not swear on the Bible, just would not do it. He said, nope, the Scripture says, do not swear, I will not swear. And by the way, he was thrown in prison for refusing to swear on the Bible, and he is one of the reasons that today, if you go to the courthouse and you don't swear on the Bible, they, they won't make you do that. You can just affirm to tell the truth. You don't have to swear to tell the truth anymore. It's because of him. They, they changed the law after that, but he was a big believer, and the Quakers still today um, will not take, uh, they will not swear um, to do anything. So I, I went and I looked at some, I was looking at some research, and I thought, okay, let me find somebody that, that kind of gives me some reason. So I found this. Remember, here's one of Paul's statements. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians one twenty three, I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. So Paul was explaining why he didn't go to the city of Corinth to visit the church. And he said, I call God to witness against me. Now, 
that seems like a, you know what I'm saying? That seems like an oath, right? Or at least a vow. Or he, he's swearing on something. He's saying, this is the truth. I call God to witness against me. This is what I found. Uh, I found a, a ministry that was, was talking about why they don't swear oaths, and this is what they said. Although Paul did call on God to confirm his words, he did not use oaths. In other words, he never said the words, I swear. So to them, an oath only happens when you actually say those words, I swear. So I could stand up here before you today and say, I call God as my witness and tell you something. And he wouldn't say, that's not an oath. You're, you're not bringing God into it because you didn't say the words, I swear. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but when you take it like that, you sound like a Pharisee. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. As long as you don't say those words, you're good. I, I just, I'm not convinced. So... Here's where I'm at. I believe that oath-taking is permitted for certain occasions, solemn occasions, things like marriages, things like uh, uh, as a witness in court. I, I would have no problem doing that. Um, it's permitted. It's certainly not encouraged. We shouldn't do it frivolously. We shouldn't do it flippantly. We shouldn't be doing it in everyday language. And, and, and as times like it was for Paul, um, it may be necessary but again, it should never, ever, ever be a normal part of our everyday conversations. I, I kind of end up like this. You and I could disagree on this. I think it's okay, like to say, to go to court, and if they ask me to swear to tell the truth, I, I would have no problem with that. But if you stood up and said, you know what, Derek, I'm just not comfortable with that, I don't, I'd be okay with that too, right? Paul says some people uh, observe this day and some people don't. Some people eat meat and some people don't. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So this may be one of those things that we can, uh, you know, agree to uh, disagree on. I'll read James 5.12 one more time. Above all, my brothers, do not swear by heaven or by earth, by your mama, by anything. Let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnations. Christians should not need to swear oaths in order to validate or bolster their truthfulness. Um, our commitment to truthfulness should come from who we are. It's not going to be easy, but I'd ask you this week, watch your language. Watch your language. Try to be truthful in everything that you do. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And, and try, by the way, I was thinking this week, you know, there's a lot of reasons we lie. And some of them are very selfish. And there are times, you know, they hold out that little baby and they say, here's our baby. And you're thinking, good Lord. <laughs> and <laughs> what do you do? You know, you're like, oh, that is the cutest baby. <laughs> you know. You just, I don't know what to tell you. Don't, try not to lie, okay? Just come up with something and say, you know, that's, did I smell pork chops cooking or something? And just, just walk off. But let's be, let's try to be truthful in everything that we do. Listen, it's a dark world out there. 
It is a dark world. It's full of lies. It's full of deception. It's going to get darker and darker, and people are going to lie more. Uh, Satan is the father of lies. Uh, the more he takes control, the more this world is given over to him. There's going to be lies, lies, lies. People that speak the truth will shine the light. People that sh- speak the truth, there's not, I mean, people will be drawn to that just by be, us being men and women of integrity. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word, how awesome it is, how great it is, how I just, I'm astounded every time I teach it that a word given 2,000 years ago is just as valid and just as relevant in these modern days as it was back then. God, I pray that here at River of Life we'll be known first and foremost as a, a church that preaches truth. That, that, that's first and foremost, but beyond and behind that, we will be a people that speak truth, not just the truth of your word, but even the truth in our own lives. It will be men and women of integrity that we will shine in these dark days. And above all, we ask this, that men and women, unbelievers, will be drawn to you because of that and come to know you as we do. We love you and thank you for all that we do. We pray for this Sunday. As always, if anyone comes into this building and doesn't know you, as their Lord and Savior, doesn't know you as I do. I pray this Sunday, God, open their eyes, open their heart, open their ears. Let them see you for who you really are. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Thank y'all. Y'all are dismissed. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.